our boiler's been on the blink. No, it's not broken. It's just it kind of loses pressure. It's really boring. I'm not going to go into the specifics of the the internal workings of an English boiler. Um, but yeah, it keeps dropping pressure. So we're like, oh, we'll call the plumber out and we'll have him have a look at it. There's obviously something wrong and I don't want it turning into like a bigger issue and then like my boiler exploding or something. Um, so I phoned them up yesterday and they were like, yeah, we can send someone out. He'll be with you tomorrow between two and three. So I like did that panic clean of my house. He has to go into like every room to like do the thing with the radiators. So I cleaned like my entire house, like brushed my hair, which is like a new thing. I even put on a bra. Oh my God. What <laughs> are like, those? We're, we're like, we're, we're trying our hardest. I've got real trousers on and like I did my makeup, my hair and everything. And um, he, he arrived a little bit late. And I oh, said to on, myself quickly, this year. Quickly, is he cute? Like, is he like no level, but he's or? he's just like the most delightful man and i'll get in, i'll get onto steve in a minute why is every man in my life called steve my postman's called steve my plumber's <laughs> called steve it's so weird anyway um so i had this like resolution this year of like i'm not going to take shit off anyone and um so steve was supposed to be here between two and three and steve arrived at quarter to six <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be angry at him like whatsoever so that resolution is like now out the door I lasted five days well it's not like you had anywhere to be at least I mean we can't I go anywhere like, <laughs> a lot of Netflix to catch up on and I mean, just saying, that's the only bonus it's not like you had to like you know be in like wait in all day and then you just like didn't turn out yeah yeah and it was not the point <laughs> You're like, still. Anna, that is not the point. Sorry. I was trying. Look, see, my New Year's resolution is to be more positive. I am a ray of positivity. (laughs) I tried that once. Yeah, I know. And then we had 2020. So you can fuck off with your positivity. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder Friends, the podcast where three friends from three different countries talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. So sit back and relax. You're among friends, and let's talk murder. Well, we have entered lockdown 17. I don't know. Um, officially, which I think we all knew was coming, especially us in Kent. We were yeah. pretty yeah. much already in it. <laughs> so Yeah, not much has really changed. We were in, like, no. we were tier four. Yeah, so yeah. we are there. One thing that changed in my life, though, was um, the kids did not go back to school. So, joy. Um, and so last lockdown, where the kids were off school last year, my daughter was in reception. So that's like their first year. They're like five years old. And all they did, because especially it hadn't, there was no preparation time really. Like all they did was at that age, just sent, the, sent them homework to do. Like, and I would print it out and... It was stuff they'd already learned. It was just sort of in like reading with them more and stuff like that because, you know, they didn't expect us to try to teach five-year-olds or four four and (laughs) five-year-olds like anything. Great. Okay. So it was like easy enough. I could like set her up with it, kind of go over a few bits and I mean, it was still effort, but you know, whatever. So this one, well, they're prepared and they've sent like, there's a whole Google Classroom set up and I have to like teach now. Um, I'm like... Okay, so I, I guess people, I feel really bad for people who have proper like nine to five. Like when are you going to, because you have to set them up on the laptop. You've got to go over the lesson, which is in a PowerPoint with them. Um, there's like oh math, English, phonics. Luckily, there's a phonics video because I'm going to like try and teach her 
phonics and my American accent. <laughs> Confused. <laughs> and so there's a lady talking on that one. Then there's like other, some other lesson. And then um, it's full on. Like, wow. I just was like, we were both, today we was our first day. There were tears. Mine, not hers. <laughs> And it was just like, and it's funny because it's like math, right? So your t-shirt is like, okay, there's seven apples. And then we're going to add three apples. And how many apples do we have now? There's like these worksheets and we're going over the worksheets. And she's, she's she did fine. Like she, she knows it already. She's okay with those things. The funny thing though is that they provide you with like an answer key. <laughs> so I'm like, cheers to that. I'm like looking up. Just in case. You're like 10? Just in case you're a little confused. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Thanks for that. Cool. But yeah, so that's how my... New Year's has started. If praying's your thing, can you pray for me for the next six weeks <laughs> or um, like power through? Um, but speaking of New Year's, how, we haven't actually got to chat since sort of like Christmas and New Year's. So did you guys want to – what how, what did you guys do? What did you get up to? Any good presents that you were surprised about? Um. Well, um, I am very – grateful and very lucky that I normally work from home so other than I never leave the house my life hasn't changed too much but the problem is now I don't know what day it is I don't know what the outside world looks like I don't know what people are normally doing like you know what a normal life consists of so my Christmas and New Year were lovely but it's just you know Every day, every day is Groundhog Day. So <laughs> while they are good days, they're good days, they're just the same thing over and over again. So, I mean, Christmas was lovely. I ate, I ate so much. I don't even want to, I don't even want to get into that and kept eating our Christmas food over New Year's because we bought way too much. But being a foreigner abroad, Christmas is a FaceTime affair anyway, so that wasn't too weird for me because I would have normally done it uh, online with my mom and my sister back home. So that was just like, it really is like every day is just the same as normal, which is like a really weird Twilight Zone thing happening over here. That's good. That's quite similar for me. I just, uh, uh, normally as well, during like Christmas, New Year period, I still work out at the gym and still do something as well as the eating and the red wine. But this year, they were closed, and I was very unmotivated, so there was just a lot of eating. <laughs> I had to – so I have an Apple Watch. I'm going to admit it. I had to maybe slightly lower my mood <laughs> goal a little bit because there's no way. There's no way. This flat is so fucking small, too. I walk from one end to the other end, and it's like eight steps. And I was like, okay, this is my this is my whole space. You're like, yeah, I got to 50 steps today. Yeah. <laughs> I think the worst thing with the, like, with the Apple Watch is, like, yeah, you can change. Like, you can manually change how many, like, your move goals and stuff. But it's when your own Apple Watch suggests that you drop down yeah because you haven't been that is ultimate like devastation when it's like you don't move much do you how about we move you down to 260 yeah. calories and you're like you bitch oh, I can do it you're like I can do it it's like and the thing when it tells you to stand up it's like I think I need to stand up right now it's like when Netflix is like are you still watching this it's like can my electronics fuck off <laughs> can you stop judging me both of you 
<laughs> yeah, you sit on the sofa just like angrily shaking yeah, your you're wrist. Just like, yeah, I, I wish I didn't know that the shaking the arm works for the stand because now whenever I, I get a buzz, I don't even have to check what it is. I know what you're it like, is. It's, it's 10, 10 to, to the, the hour. hour. It, I have to stand up. So I just start shaking. <laughs> anyway, exactly that was my new year. Amazing. What about you, Hannah? Um, yeah, it was an odd one, but it was okay. You know, it was fine. Um, I worked like right up to like Christmas Eve and then sort of logged off at one o'clock and then just ate my body weight in crisps and chocolates. So that was fun. My parents popped over, like not didn't come in or anything. They just um, dropped off like the presents. They like put them on the doorstep and then like knocked the door and then like scurried back to their car. And we did that awkward wave thing like across the road. I was like, bye. It's good to see you. So that was really sweet. But in, in New Year's, we did our, like, normal New Year's plans over Zoom, which was kind of depressing. Uh. But, um, yeah, it was okay. Nice and it was fine. I got the um, the best present, though. I'll have to send you a picture of it later. But James bought me a... Um, do you know how I like spooky stuff? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, Glenda has a friend. <gasps> wow, you buried that lead. <laughs> and um, he hasn't got a name yet. He hasn't got a name yet, but he is a vintage Pelham puppet. They're from like the 70s and it's the skeleton. And it is, we call him at the moment, he's just called the spooky lad because he just sort of sits around our house and does this with his arms. But I'll send you a picture later. So Glenda oh has a God. friend. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, and I will send you a picture of him later. So we'll put it on the Instagram or something. It's great. Yeah. So that was the, the best Christmas present I had. <laughs> my brother-in-law, had to, well, my brother too, that really like I was quite shocked by my brother-in-law gave me two these huge books I open them and they're two encyclopedia of serial killers volume one and volume two (laughs) (laughs) and I was like wow you know me so well and the funny thing is is you guys know him and he's like the most he's the loveliest guy and he's very straight-laced like he just (laughs) he was I was laughing about the fact that he like even bought them because it's just so um it was just funny, and I was, and he just thought, oh, "I'll help you with your podcast," which I thought was. Oh, kind I can't of imagine him buying them. I can't exactly. imagine him going into a shop. That's so sweet. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, and that was really good because I wasn't expecting that. So, good things coming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband actually, he saw this at my brother-in-law's house. Actually, he had these like picture books made. You know, you can make your own like books with like loads of pictures and stuff in it. And he had one made of, um, so 2019 was like a big year for us. We had like, we got engaged, we got married. Um, he had his 50th birthday. And then we had, like, I had a he- late, like a post do, And he made this whole book of like, all, like a, of each event, like with tons of pictures. And I hadn't even seen all the pictures. I don't even know where he got them from. But it was all like, where he captioned stuff and like, I just can't, I've got to show you guys at some point. It's Aww. so good. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, this nights was like staying up and you had already gone to bed, but that's what I was doing. And I was Aww. so blown away. It was such a good present. I was like, wow. Cause I was not expecting that. So that was cool because it was sort of like, we'd had this really epic year before 2020. Well, at least of. you got it all done before. Oh, I know. That's true. you imagine? Like, I mean, you crammed yeah, everything we, in. <laughs> yeah, we, did, we crammed it all in. We, we just, yeah. We'll, yeah. Again, if you guys listen to our older episodes, I think we've talked about all the stuff in, like, as a, in real time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So, uh, same again. I had the same sort of 
Christmas, New Year's. I think we all did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, now I'm just trying to get back on the straight and narrow, eat more vegetables, eat less cheese, mm. and try to do a lot less of the arm shaking and just actually stand up. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not ready. New Year's, same bitch. Come on. <laughs> uh, so for True Crime News this week, I'm actually going to take you back to last year because we never really got the chance to discuss it and it was a huge, huge thing in the true crime world. Um, they cracked the Zodiac 340 cipher. Yes. So uh, yes. a quick recap. Um, the man who nicknamed himself the Zodiac Killer, first off, who gives himself a nickname, super lame. Um, he brutally attacked seven people in two years, 1968 and 1969, and he killed five of them in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, he sent a series of letters, some written in English and others written in a code in, in ciphers um, to newspapers. He sent a really big cipher. They're all, all the ciphers are kind of like named by the number of um, symbols within them. So he sent a 408 symbol cipher, which he divided into three chunks to three separate newspapers. And the San Francisco Chronicle published their portion and it was cracked by just two members of the public, Donald and Betty Harden. However, he didn't. He sent other ones as well. And this one, the three, they call it the 340 cipher. It has boggled code breakers for decades. But three amateur code breakers... Um, David Orenchak, Sam Blake, and Jarl van der Eyck. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm so sorry if I fucked that. Um, they've been working on it and they finally cracked it. They sent their findings to the FBI, who confirmed that the group were in fact correct and the 340 cipher can now be deemed as being solved. Um, I don't know if any of you watched the YouTube channel. They did a YouTube video explaining how they cracked it and it was genuinely fascinating i found it so interesting they effectively um just smashed it with computer science with a sledgehammer and it was amazing it was really good they dedicate their finding to the victims so david faraday betty lou jensen darlene ferrin and cecilia shepherd by saying we would like to dedicate our work that culminated in the solution to the victims of the zodiac killer their families and descendants we hope that this is a stepping stone towards finally finding for towards finding justice for this, these people and I truly think that that's the the best thing about this whole solving of the cipher so do you want to hear what the cipher says yes mm -hmm. it's horrible uh so it says I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me that wasn't me on the tv show which brings up a point about me I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise paradise in this all throughout is spelt with a c that fucking infuriates me it will send me to paradise all the sooner because i now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death i am not afraid because i know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death wow what a piece that's of dark shit. yeah i just oh it's horrible it's just such a twat. I'm I'm convinced that he's dead now. I don't think we'll ever figure out the Zodiac Killer, mm. who the Zodiac Killer is. I mean, we all know it's Ted Cruz, but I just don't think <laughs> that's going <laughs> to... Can you gonna... imagine what it must have felt like to have this... Because they're all amateurs, right? It's kind of like there's It's like a mm. hobby that they've started and they yeah. got in, into, and then to be able to create something then breaks this code that nobody else has been able to decipher. 
what that must have felt like. It's like it's fun. it's very eerie, yeah. of course, when you read it too, talking about like having slaves in the afterlife and everything. But to be able mm. to finally decipher it would have been insane. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I think it's absolutely bananas. The way he wrote it was like it was the word, the letters and the words went on the diagonal and there was one chunk which he'd moved so he knew that it would pretty much be unsolvable. And as you said, they are amateur code breakers. Like they have day jobs and they do this in their spare time. I mean, it's like, what do I do in my spare time? <laughs> Play video games and sit in a fucking blanket for and talk shit. Yeah. Um, and these guys are out here like cracking codes. But one of these guys was like, he worked in a warehouse during the day and then like came home at night and worked on it. And I think that That's is incredible. It's absolutely wow. amazing. So um, there is other ciphers of the Zodiac which haven't been solved. Um, there is one where the Zodiac wrote a letter in English and he put my name is and then there's a series of symbols which is apparently his name no one ever knows but because that cipher is so short they doubt that they'll ever be able to figure that out um so that's a, a bummer but um I just wanted to recap on that little bit of news from last year because I think it is really really important yeah definitely well done guys <laughs> Kind of makes you want to like pick up a better hobby, eh? Because when I'm done this, I'm going to go play <laughs> Animal Crossing. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, next up for our one of two podcasts that we're reviewing today, um, we're going to chat about is Bed of Lies from the Telegraph newspaper. Have either of you listened to it? I had listened to some of it. Okay. I've listened yeah. to all but the last episode and a half. Okay, cool. So you have, at least know what it's sort of, the style and what it's about, at least roughly. Now, The Bed of Lies is an eight-part podcast hosted by Cara McGugan from the Telegraph newspaper. I see your face. <laughs> that name. <laughs> when you the said name, it. I can't, it's the way she says it, too. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's really harsh. Um, but yeah, uh, from the Telegraph newspaper. Um, I'm not going to get into the exact details of all of it, because it's quite a complicated story, the way it's told. It is a sort of a series of four different women um, and their stories, and then it sort of all comes together as the story is told. It begins, and we meet four different women, like just Rosa, Lisa, Allison, and Lindsay. These aren't their real names. Um, they were all part of act the activist communities between the 1990 and 2010. Um, the groups they were active in were groups that protested animal rights, environmental activism, anti-racism, or anti-police brutality. Um, they all start out telling their stories of meeting a man um, within their community and who became active in the groups and how they fell in love with these men, had relationships. And some of these relationships went on for four or five years. They lived together. Um, and one of them even had children, had two children with one of them. So essentially, as the story unfolds, spoiler alert, so if you haven't listened, and actually I'm going to go and say this now, I think it's worth a listen purely because the story is just insane and it's not um, something I've ever heard before. So this is like a whole new topic. It's not your regular sort of true crime and it's worth a listen in my opinion. So essentially you find out at the end that these men were all undercover police officers. They were all seduced, seduced, misled, and manipulated and they were victims of what has become known as the spy cop scandal. So the women, it's really horrible listening to some of these stories where, like, for example, one of the men, they were together, they lived together for four years. One of the guys sort of started to go off a little bit. He started acting strange. He seemed to have a bit of anxiety. 
And and then one day he literally just disappeared. So all of his stuff was out of the their flat. Any trace of like something that had his name on it was gone. It was like he never existed. He just disappeared. Several other each women have a different story, but essentially it's all the same thing where these these men just suddenly they think it's the love of their life and they just disappear. So as the women in the podcast start to go public with their experiences, it's discovered that at least 139 officers like infiltrated left-wing groups in this way. So, and essentially what these women were doing were they were part of, they weren't part of this big drug trafficking ring. They weren't, you know, doing anything necessarily. I know there's probably elements of their protests that could were considered criminal uh, that, that could get them in trouble, maybe like trespassing and things like that. But none of it was, you know, maliciously hurting, you know, anyone or necessarily out to commit crimes. They were literally just like activists about things that I think we could all relate to. I know like, like Hannah, you know, with your, um, your eco stuff, like... Go on, fucking say it. Could you, ima- <laughs> could you imagine... You're one of them. Just- Are you one of them? <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine if you found out your husband, well, was then like a, you know, undercover cop? Um, yeah, yeah. So it just, it, you can see how it affected all the women and how they, some of them never, ever dated again. One of them didn't ever, never was able to enter in because you couldn't trust anyone just it was horrible it really it's like a form of torture in a way and like they ruined their lives some of them there's a, a public inquiry announced uh was announced six years ago um finally began taking evidence on the 2nd of november there is something that they're trying to push for the covert human intelligence sources bill which would seek to limit undercover police powers to prevent cases such as these has recently passed its third reading in parliament also noted that these police officers also had families and this was done on purpose so they would select officers with families and like children so that they wouldn't disappear into their undercover work necessarily so they wouldn't like lose themselves so that they always had something to go back to but obviously their wives are also victims because their wives didn't know that they were essentially had a whole nother life with another woman going on at the same time and it's actually really scary and horrifying just to like imagine you know that sort of happening to you really (laughs) Now, in my opinion, I really enjoyed the podcast. I thought it was very interesting subject matter. It was quite unbelievable to me that it actually was allowed to happen. And I think that's what's going on now where they're trying to limit stuff like this. Because like I said before, the things that they were involved in wasn't this, you know, serious felony crimes that we feel like they warranted this happening to the women. But they didn't deserve it for that to happen to them. They weren't endangering people's lives and stuff like that. So, and I think that's mentioned in the podcast too, is like, where's the balance here of like why this was necessary to sort of ruin these women's lives for what they were going to get out of it. <laughs> the host, uh, she's good at what she did, but she was um, a little bit grating. I think, Elena, you said that you I've got feelings. didn't love her. <laughs> what did you guys think? I want to hear Elena's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I'm trying this new thing when Anna recommends a podcast. I I give it a shot. I gave it the old college try in our second podcast. No, we actually we talked had a, about we had an agreement. <laughs> the, the second podcast is actually another Anna um, suggestion. So I went into this. I thought, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. And I think what threw me off was the host the, the most. And she narrates the story as if she's your buddy, which I Girl, you ain't my buddy. I don't know who you are. And she would talk about things like she would say, like, 
And then, and then the woman found this really crazy piece of evidence in her purse. Now, remember, we're going to come back to that. But first, let's talk about vans. So vans are these things that they drive in the UK. But I was like, what? Like, what? And then, <laughs> Wait, and then she'd be like, okay. So just remember, remember that story. Keep that in the back of your mind. Now we're going to talk about this. And I just, I, I, that lost me. If you're going to, like, narrate, just tell me the story. And I think compared to we talked a lot last year about Canary. And I know I keep coming back to Canary. That podcast was narrated in such an, like, unbiased, direct, this is the evidence, this is what happened. And I loved it so much. Whereas this one felt like she was like, yeah, we're talking about this. And isn't this crazy? And then we're going to talk about this. And remember this. And it just that put me off. So I didn't finish it. It did kind of remind me, I think, ugh, I think it was a Dateline episode where's, <laughs> where there's that one man who has like nine different families and none of them know of each other. I almost thought it was going to go in that way. Like the men were all the same person or something. Uh, so the revelation that it's actually undercover cops is quite surprising. And, and the story itself definitely needs to be told. Like that's fucked up. It's one thing to infiltrate a group that you think is committing a crime. It's another thing to be so cruel to someone. Mm. Like, it, it's not necessary. It's just, you know, they're such low-level activists. Like you were saying before, it's not the fucking mafia. Like, it's not high-violent <laughs> crime or whatever. But, yeah, story, really fascinating. But the the narrator um, just didn't do it for me. She totally reminded me of... Um, do you know when you get, like... <laughs> do you know when you get really drunk and or no imagine you're really sober and your friend's really drunk and your friend is trying to tell you a story <laughs> that's exactly what it was fucking yes like. and there's so like, many tell me I'm wrong. stories happening at once and you're like no go back to this main story i have been the drunk girl and i have been the sober girl like <laughs> i know what it's like um no you're right it, the story's fascinating the story's great it's absolutely bananas and you know that's fine um i knew what the story was going into this so it wasn't like a, a huge like revelation i kind of i knew that the premise for the podcast but the way she jumps around the narrator jumps around makes it unfollowable and uninteresting i mean there was one part where she had um there's one part where he one of the women find um an item like you were saying and then she jumps yes. into that story and then you don't find out what the fucking item is until the next episode and i'm really really glad that i waited for all of the episodes to come out before listening to it because yeah. i think at that point i would have just switched the whole thing off yeah that's and, when she starts talking about vans yeah. yeah and you don't find out what that item is until like 10 minutes deep into the next episode and the item wasn't like a gun or uh like a police badge or you know something really nefarious something that would give in the game away it was a fucking bank card yeah it had like a weird name on it and it was like oh for fuck's sake like make it interesting make it like i know it was, it's very interesting to these women i'm not saying it's not interesting but from an audience perspective oh fuck off i think you're right about that the way it was told was regular music and i listened to it week to week but I oh was very interested God. in the story, so I stuck with it. <laughs> but what yeah. I thought they should have done was, if they want to tell those four stories, maybe dedicate one episode to each story and then bring them all together at the end mm. and reveal the whole story. Because it was like, you're trying to tell four stories at the same time. 
Yeah, and I remember yeah. even at one point she says, okay, so there's a lot of couples involved in here and the names aren't really important. So don't don't worry about the names. Just think just about what happens. And I was like, but you're telling like four separate stories. And I and don't know what's going on. And three of them are named on. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, it is like a drunk woman who can't keep her story straight. And she's telling you what she did last Saturday. And then she's telling you what you should do next weekend. And then she's telling you about some story at work. And then she's telling you how much she loves you and you're her best friend. And then she's telling telling you about something you don't know what it is. It's just all over the place. Yeah. Anana is also listening to me and Anna very drunk before. And I'm yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> it's like going out with these two. <laughs> she's like these bitches. But it was, um, I think... The story is really terrible and tragic. And I think the thing that really hammered home just how horrific the story is, is the fact that some of these women are suffering from like PTSD, mm. like to this day, and they're like pursuing legal action and it's completely ripped their lives apart. Um, and I don't think the police should get away with this at all. I understand the need for surveillance, national security, totally get it. But these women were just like fucking vegans yeah. who yeah. were good at using coriander in cooking which was brought up numerous times and it's just oh yeah it's unimaginable and hated i hate i hate the police for what they've done but it's horrible i'm sorry who budgeted this money to like think that this month the money they spent because you there has to be like quite a lot to pay for an undercover agent to have pay for a flat and pretend to have money like go on holidays even they went on holidays like where's that money coming from Anyway, who thought that this was, like, a good use of budget at that? At the very least. Yeah, that's like, crazy. At the very least. I guess rating-wise, I – one to five. I would say, which I'm going to probably rate higher than you guys, I liked it 3.5 to 4, only because I really found the story – like, the whole subject matter interesting. If the – I can't remember her name that's, that told the story for Canary, the journalist who did that. I want her to tell this story. Um, yeah, if she could just tell all the stories, that'd be all right. If she could yeah, just, only. yeah, just from now on, just mm. only podcasts by her. No, but um, if she actually told the story and like it was just, it was just too scattered, like you're saying it was, but purely for the subject matter, it was just like crazy. So that's mine. What about Hannah? What about you? Um, story five out of five. Podcast two out of five. That's fair. For that reason, I actually, yeah. For the reasons. For the drunk girl. <laughs> I don't know if I could give it a rating just because I didn't get even halfway through it. But I definitely think what you said, Anna, if if one episode was one woman's story, I think that would have been mm. way more engaging and a lot more easy to follow. But if, even still, if it was that woman talking, that I probably wouldn't have lasted <laughs> anyway. That's so mean. I'm, so I'm never going to forget that name. I feel like that name is burnt into myself. Yes. Like, and she said, I it feel would like be she like says my last words. Yeah. A lot in the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, take it what you will. <laughs> okay. So, for our next podcast review, we are talking about the Piketon Massacre, which completely unrelated. But every time you type Piketon, it comes up as Pokemon. So, I'm really sorry when I send you my notes. It's riddled with Pokemon. <laughs> Um, but this is a 10-episode podcast. Like I said, Anna had mentioned it. Um, I had never heard of it, so uh, I went into it to, you know, see what it is. Bullet points, very interesting story. Um, it's extreme and violent and so over the top. 
But unfortunately, like the last review we just did, I didn't really like the way this one was done either. And I don't know if Canary has just ruined podcasts for me, <laughs> but we'll get into that. The other thing to mention, how many ads for hair dye was there? Oh At God. least two an episode. So we'll come back to that as Ooh. well. So the podcast dives into the Piketon Massacre, which took place in April 2016. Eight people, all belonging to the Roden family, were shot and killed in four separate homes in Pike County, Ohio. Almost all of them were shot execution style in the night, most likely when they were asleep. Three young children, including two tiny babies, were left alive during the killings. One, I think, was even in bed with the mother who was shot, but the the child was spared. The ensuing investigation soon became the largest in Ohio's history. But the case is not finished, which I wish I had realized sooner. There is a lot of discussion about facts, but there is a ton of sort of gossip and guessing uh, in the podcast, which I really didn't care about. So uh, the podcast is done from the journalist's perspective, but because there has been no trial, there's a lot that they don't know. So a lot of it ended up being like speculation and, and the journalists sort of have a conversation back and forth about it, which is interesting. But so much of it, I felt, was like, well, maybe it happened because of this. Oh, yes, it could have it could have been this. And I just like I, I wanted to know. There are some facts that are brought up, including that the Ohio Attorney General's office confirmed the presence of a hefty amount of pot. When they first brought it up and they're like, oh, there, there was marijuana on the presence on the on the pl- uh, marijuana on the farm like they've got this giant acreage of farm and i was like all right like relax but they had like 200 or something plants like it was quite a quite an an operation they had an operation going on yeah (laughs) yeah so there is quite a bit of discussion on whether this was somehow drug related uh, and that goes on for quite a while In November 2018, four members of the Wagner family, which was a family known to the Rodins, were arrested and charged with the eight murders. Now, the connection that they really lean on is Edward Jake Wagner was the ex-boyfriend of victim Hannah Roden and the father of their three-year-old daughter. So a large part of the motive brought up in the podcast was the custody of the child between Hannah Roden and Jake Wagner, which is fair. We see lots of different crime podcasts, you know, about custody and stuff. But can you justify killing eight people for custody of, of that child? Just kind of seems a little bit extreme. Because there are 10 episodes, they really have a lot of time to dive into different aspects. They talk about corruption from local politicians to the possible drug gang element to just general drug issues in the area. For me personally, I wanted to know more about the evidence and the police Mm. interviews and the facts and the investigation. And I'm sure more of that will come out when the trial happens, whenever that might be, but it hasn't happened now. So we don't we don't know a lot of that stuff. One thing to note, like I mentioned at the beginning, every episode, even the first episode, starts with an ad for hair dye, which is quite surprising. I get that making money off of, of a podcast is very difficult, but there were a lot 
a lot of ads. The one thing I did appreciate though was whenever it was going to cut to an ad, one of the narrators would say, okay, we're going to take a break here. And then it would sort of transition into the ads, which I actually liked because the subject matter is so fucking gruesome. I think to just splice an ad really fast in would have been like really bad taste, especially when it's for a hair dye. (laughs) So at least, at least they kind of have, you know, some separation, but my God, there's a lot of ads, which was like just a bit off-putting. Like a lot of ads. Yeah. Like a lot. Like it was, and the, the yeah. episodes, I think, are, like, on average, like, 30 minutes. Um, so you'd have, at, like, an ad right at the beginning, in the middle, and then closer to the end, I think. Overall, I thought the story was insane. I had never heard of it. And the fact that eight people were, like, execution-style murdered is insane. And they're in, in different properties, and it all looks very professional. Like, that is absolutely bonkers. I just really didn't like the way that the story was told, I guess. And I think I skipped most of episode 9 and 10 because it it ended up being so much like speculation. Like, oh, we're not sure. Yeah. Maybe this happened or maybe this was the motive. So yeah, that kind of fizzled out for me at the end there. But did you guys listen to any of it, all of it, some of it? I don't have much to add. Um, I, I listened to probably one and a half episodes and my only note said, hair dye advertisement that's all it said hair dye advertisement that's all it said so I've I've really got nothing nothing to add I listened to most of it I think I missed off the last two episodes as well pretty much because it was I I saw this one and I was like ooh because I was interested in the story because I remember when this happened and I remember seeing like some news footage or like articles mm-hmm. online, um, like aerial footage of their like farm when it happened because it was so shocking for eight members of a family yeah. to be executed in one night. Obviously, it was a very planned, coordinated, you know, it was it was crazy. Kind of out in the middle of nowhere, you know, that sort of thing. So that's what sparked my interest and I really wanted to like learn more about it because I didn't know much about it other than I knew eight members of the same family had died. It reminded me very much of that shitty Jamie Kloss one. Jamie Kloss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The way that was told. And I think that one was also told without there being a trial. And it was a lot of, like, fluff. There's a lot of fluff. It's Mm -hmm. like, you could have made it, like, four episodes, you know. Yes. And and just have, like, let's get the facts. Let's know what it is. But I guess you're not going to make a lot of money off hair dye ads with four episodes. So we're going to drag that shit out (laughs) for (laughs) ten. Keep talking about hair dye. Yeah, I think that was the issue. It wasn't great. It was like, for me, it was kind of like I started it and I was enjoying it at first because I literally just mm-hmm. wanted to know about the case. So yeah. if you want to know about the case, in my opinion, check out the first like two episodes. <laughs> there 100%. you go. Then stop. Then you're done. That's all, that's all you really <laughs> need to know. Wikipedia after that. Yeah, or yeah. Wikipedia. And hopefully when we have more, um, when they go to trial, we learn more about maybe, hopefully more information comes out and you sort of like figure out maybe what happened. So um is there a date set for the trial or is it just imminent or is it upcoming? I or? thought they mentioned a date. I can't remember now. But with the way things are, I would be not surprised that it gets pushed. Yeah, yeah. of course. Overall rating though, I mean like one out of five. I think the the subject matter is crazy. And like you said, Anna, listen to the first two episodes maybe. You get a general idea. The rest of it is fluff. And I kept like skipping through thinking, oh, maybe there's going to be there's going to be a gold nugget back here. Yeah. There really isn't. I have done my due diligence for all of you listening. Don't bother. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I would say like a one, one and a half. But like I said, listen to, listen to the first two episodes. You get you learn about the case and what happened, and then you're probably good. <laughs> and then you can so, dye yeah. your hair. Then you can dye your hair. <laughs> Buy some hair dye. <laughs> Weird crime time. So this week for Weird Crime Time, um, I fell into a spiral of looking at crime statistics the other day. And I was reading an article about West Midlands police and the number of arrests that they'd made. You know, like bedtime reading stuff. Um, but as I read further down, there was a quote that kind of piqued my interest. And the quote is from um, Inspector Manja here from the West Midlands Police Criminal Justice Department. And it reads, we've had a few odd incidents. One that sticks in my mind was a man found with a samosa between his buttocks during a search. Huh? What? <laughs> so, there was a man and he was in police custody and he was being searched and they found a samosa tucked between his arse cheeks. Now, the samosa wasn't the reason for his arrest or connected with his arrest. I actually couldn't find out why he'd been arrested. But this gentleman was concerned that he was, wasn't going to be fed in police custody or he was worried about the quality <laughs> of the food. <laughs> so he just like stuck a little samosa like down his butt crack. So was it in the wrapper? Yeah, this is what I questioned. First off, how would you react to someone? How would you react if you were conducting a search of someone and there was like a fried snack <laughs> between their things? Like, like, how would you? How would you even like bring that up? You'd be like, uh, "Excuse me, sir. Is this your samosa? <laughs> is this is this your <laughs> is this your samosa? Ugh. And yeah, you're right. Was it wrapped in anything? Also, aren't they usually triangles? Like, it's not really, yeah. if you're yeah. design flaw here, like, go with a sausage roll, mate. Like, you might have a better idea of getting away with it because it's, like, long and skinny. <laughs> Crack shape. Yeah. Um, but on, and then I was thinking, like, on the flip side, if you were trying to sneak in a little snack, what would you pop down your underwear? Ooh. Oh, that's a great question. Probably a block of cheese. Yeah, but it might melt. Like a hard cheese, though. Okay. Like a Parmesan? <laughs> yeah. <it was> like- <laughs> It's really great to Also, samosas are quite soft, um, like delicate, aren't they? So yeah. if you had that between your cheeks and you're walking and stuff, wouldn't that just it's like get crushed up? Yeah, explode. Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway, um, to to make things worse, following that article that I read about um, crime statistics, which was on um, Birmingham Live, um, <laughs> nice. they did a follow up article on on that subject. And the follow-up article was called The Sheer Cheek of It, The Hilarious Puns as a Man Caught by Police with a Samosa in His Bottom. Now, I'm not going to lie, I read this second article and they used the best pun that they had already in the headline and the rest were, like, really, really, like, weak puns. Oh, no. And one of the ones that was in the second article literally said, quote, did he not have a microwave to warm it up? I was like, that's not a pun. That's not a pun. <laughs> Bitch. Pun. That's, that's, that's not a that's pun. That's not a pun. Right, Birmingham Life. Sort it out. The, that's the comment. So, um, yeah, if you can come up with any better, like, samosa puns, food in between your butt cheek puns, or just general butt puns, then submit them to Birmingham Live, and I'm sure they'll do a third fucking yeah. article on this one topic. <laughs> Readers, samosa. butt puns. Yeah. Tuck between your butt cheeks. That's unreal. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Um, you can check out our website at murderfriends.com. You can check out our notes from today or any sources that we used for Weird Crime Time and True Crime News. Um, you can email us at murderfriendspod at gmail.com. Um, send us any of your suggestions. And we get them and we definitely share them and we discuss them and, and look forward to having things to review, especially right now, lockdown number three. 
Follow us on Twitter, Murder Friends PD, or Instagram, Murder Friends Pod. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.